Thank you for listening to the Cinephiles Digest podcast. My name is Matt. This is Tom. This is Travis. This is episode 15, and we've got a big, big episode this week. We're going to be reviewing new Christopher Nolan film Dunkirk, the new Luke Besson film Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, as well as the new Catherine Bigelow film Detroit. But before we get started here, we have a couple guests, one new and one returning. Uh, Jay, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, fellas. <laughs> Glad to have you back on. You're kind of our uh, resident sci-fi guy, so I like to bring you in for uh, hard sci-fi, sci-fi right? Specifically, <laughs> I prefer prefer the hardest, <laughs> fast and okay, hard. Good. And then we have a new guest to the show, uh, Scott. So why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi. I'm Scott. <laughs> this is my first time here on any podcast, let alone this one. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Scott and I uh, went to college together, and we lived together for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, where good lasting buds. friendships are made. Oh yeah, yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, glad to have you on the show, buddy. Thank you. Good to be here. So, uh, what have you guys been up to since the last time we recorded? Anything? Uh... I bought a car. Oh yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's my wife's car, so I still have the old <laughs> shitty one that I hate. That's okay. It's a it's a Kia Soul. Honestly, never gave that car more than one look in my entire life. But Is that the uh, hamster car. That's the hamster car. Yeah, Sarah was like she she started to see all these Kia Souls, and she's like, "Oh man, I'm really kind of liking these Kia Souls." And I said, "I don't care. Get whatever you want." <laughs> so she was like, oh, I'm going to look so cool in my new Kia Soul. And I was hanging out with my friend at the time, and we were just like, I showed him the text, and I was like, no way. No, that's not happening. So we instantly sent her the video of the hamsters jamming out to party rockers <laughs> <laughs> in their Kia Soul. So uh, she felt pretty bad about it afterward. But she's liking it? Yeah, she loves it. What color is it? Uh, like a charcoal color, kind of. Yeah, like a grayish brown it's not lime green, if that's what you're picturing. <laughs> that is typically what I think of when I think of Kia Soul. Well, that's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Travis, what about you? Uh, I went to the Mariners game the other night. Oh, Friday night? Yeah. Did they win? No, we lost. It's pretty disappointing, besides about one inning. And um, yesterday I went to my brother's housewarming party and we watched the UFC fights. Oh, was that uh, Cormier and uh, Jones? Yep. Did Jones win? Yep. Nice. He sure did. In he, like uh, devastating fashion? Or yes. he like, really? What happened? I think it was like the third round and he caught Cormier with a kick to the head and then it was pretty much over. <laughs> but they should have called the fight, I feel like, five hits to the head sooner. But they didn't. <laughs> like I he mean, was out what are you cold, watching for? And they kept... <laughs> concussion. If not to see more. someone get hit well, it was more than once. it was sad too because Cormier was crying and... Like, so emotional after the fight. I don't know because he just, like, wasn't all there, but I'm sure there's plenty of memes and gifts out there of him crying. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. Well, that's cool. Uh, Scott. Yeah. You've been traveling a lot, right? Been traveling, so, you know, uh, I'm a teacher. The beaches of Dunkirk. What's that? The beaches of Dunkirk. I've been on the beaches. (laughs) I've been waiting. This is what my summer has been. So, teach during the school year, obviously. And summers I have off, so I've been... I went to the East Coast, did some family stuff in Oregon. What, what? Uh, Oregon? <laughs> I was also on a lake, as you were, Matt, recently. Uh, but been taking it easy. Just enjoying Overall, your summer vacay? Pretty much. Nice. Well, I just got back from a camping trip 
left Friday after work, went to Mason Lake here in beautiful Washington, and uh, made some poor decisions, drank uh, more alcohol than I thought existed in the world, uh, ate a lot of bad food, floated on the water for a long time, and got all burnt up. Yeah, you're all red. So that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Did you get a sweet gummy bear floaty? Uh, it was a swan, actually. Nice. Uh, but thankfully, I didn't have to use a swan most of the time because not everyone was floating all at once most of the time. So I just borrowed someone else's nicer floaty with cup holders and shit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we have the swan, and it's kind of it's kind of a pain in the ass. It's, it's hard to use. It's not great. And it was deflating. So, like, I had my legs, like, I was straddling the swan's neck mm-hmm. and it started to deflate. So then the swan's head was just in my face the whole time and I couldn't see anything. Uh, it was really fun, though. It was really relaxing. Did a couple shots of Jaeger, which is not anything I ever want to do. Right now. <laughs> I'm just fucking tired, is what nice, I am. calm, soothing weekend on the water. Yeah, I, Travis, do you have any Jaeger we could, you know, we could bust out? I don't, actually. I will, um, I'll jump out this fucking window. <laughs> I have some spicy vodka. That, that sounds even you. worse somehow. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so spent all, all weekend on the lake. Uh, slept for maybe three hours last night. I didn't go to bed until the sun was coming up, so I'm pretty tired, but I'm feeling good. I'm excited. Uh, Jay, what about you, man? It's been a while. Yes, and I've just been um, reading my sci-fi books and mm-hmm. watching The Fifth Element over and over, <laughs> <laughs> although that's not that hard, is it? It's pretty soft. Um, but other than that, I've just been enjoying the summer. Cool. It's been mild, not too hot. It's been pretty and hot. dry. Well, I mean, 80, it's been upper 80s. That's like the perfect... In here, it's hot. That's not perfect. Oh, yeah, no. In here is... <laughs> it's roasted. Yeah. It's a sauna. Yeah. It's all right, We though. might take our clothes off before the show. All right, cool. Well, anything, uh, anyone want to mention anything else before we dive into our first review? Nah. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to start things off with our review of Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, we have a clip. Let's take a listen. Welcome to Alpha, the city of a thousand planets. Alex, can you update us? I'd be delighted to. The Alpha station has grown 7% this year. And since it left the terrestrial orbit, it has traveled almost 700 million miles. Population? Almost 30 million. 3,236 species from the four corners of the universe live on board, pooling their knowledge and cultures. All right, so Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets is directed by Luc Besson, who is known for The Fifth Element, Leon the Professional, uh, Lucy. Uh, The plot synopsis reads, A dark force threatens Alpha, a vast metropolis and home to species from a thousand planets. Special operatives Valerian and Loreline must race to identify the marauding menace and safeguard not just Alpha, but the future of the universe. So for this first review, Scott and Tom mm. did not see the film, but me, Travis, and Jay did. So it's just going to be the three of us here, but if uh, either of you guys want to chip mm. in, ask a question, feel free. But uh, let's, uh, let's, get these go- let's get this going. General impressions? Travis, what'd you think? I liked it quite a bit. <laughs> it wasn't amazing. Well, visually it was amazing, but there are some story problems and some performance problems as well. 
Like from the two leads? Yeah. Well, well one. One of the two leads. I did like Cara... De Cara Delevingne. Yeah. Yeah. But Dane DeHaan is the worst. He cannot carry a movie. <laughs> Has he always been the worst? Uh, no. He's okay in smaller roles, but... Yeah, I mean, his... I don't know. I just hate how he... He tries to, like, play a persona that he's not. Like, he yeah. gets that tough guy voice at times, and it's like, you're not that tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he, he, um... God damn it. He's uh, like a bad typecast? That's what it sounds like. Well, no, he just, he, he, he he's not very himself. charismatic, so he's not a good lead. He's kind of douchey in a way. He always oh, definitely <laughs> He's definitely Yeah, douchey. I only asked because someone at work was like, I really don't like that guy, that Dane DeHaan guy, and I was like, I've yeah. never even given this guy a second thought. So <laughs> He overacts and, like, kind of whines. He's he definitely kind of whiny. Yeah. Like, especially, like, in Amazing Spider-Man 2, when he's the... He was going to be the new Green Goblin before that Spider-Man franchise like reboot out. got destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved it visually. Um, some of the performances were spotty, and then it got pretty exposition-y and lame towards the last 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah, the movie kind of hits a wall in the climax. Yeah. And yeah, lots of exposition. It's basically characters just summarizing basically tying all of the separate plot strings together to make it all make sense but it's yeah really lazy like it's they the characters are literally just explaining and it's intercut with stuff that you've seen earlier in the film so it's just like now you know what all this means and it's just super obvious too where the movie ends up going at the end yeah um so that's definitely not a positive i wasn't super into the story in this movie but visually, like this movie is fucking dope. It is cool. <laughs> the whole the whole time, like I I just had a shit eating grin on my face the whole time. Like I was just like, that's so cool. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, like it just kept going, transitioning from scene to scene. Cool new location, really cool characters. Like the uh, character design, like the costume design in this movie is really cool, which yeah. you expect from the guy who did the Fifth Element. But like. Talk about visionary. I know you like to throw that word around, Travis, but <laughs> this guy's a visionary. I wouldn't put him. You wouldn't call him a visionary? Was director? anybody wearing, yes, like, the he's a visionary. tiny Absolutely. orange what? leather strap? Just a vision. Chest. Just vision. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> he, just, he just creates really interesting he's, worlds. He's not in my camp of visionaries, but he can be in his own camp of visionary. <laughs> did he write the movie, too? He did, yeah. He did do the screenplay, which is definitely the weakest aspect of the movie yes but it i would say really like cool. anytime this movie's having fun i was loving it but anytime it tried to advance the story or like create a touching moment or make you feel something it just i wasn't really digging it super heavy-handed with yeah. its themes it does this thing you know the movie ends up being about like love conquers all and like there's some really corny lines of dialogue toward the end between it's it's pretty bad like cara delavine's character gives like a speech basically to dane dehan's love was the fifth element dude yes absolutely love was the fifth element spoilers totally forgot about that (laughs) so but i i really like this movie like i had a lot of fun with it but jay you've been quiet what um, what do you think well luckily i went into it already kind of hearing some things that maybe it wasn't so good but it's not like i had high crazy high expectations i'm a massive fan of fifth element i watch that movie all the time um 
And that was actually one of the good things about Valerian was that I actually did kind of feel that it was a continuation of the Fifth Element universe. Like I still kind of felt that I was in that movie almost, just kind of like going with different characters. But, you know, like Travis said, the actors were not good. I think the girl was worse, worse than the guy was. Really? really? Yeah. I liked her in the movie. No, I, I think thought, she yeah, oh my God, that last scene, that last scene was abysmal. <laughs> that wasn't, I wouldn't place that on her performance, though. Well, yeah, More just definitely. the line she's well, I mean, delivering. She, well, you know? okay, you're right. I mean, I wasn't going to say that the writing is definitely not top-notch either. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the script is not that great. There's, um, there's very little chemistry between the two big leads, time. and the ending didn't feel And then all of a sudden, she just, like, changed her mind and was like, oh, you're so romantic. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that 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 stuff was super messy, for sure. Is it is it actually the same universe or is no, it just? I don't, I don't think so. Okay, I you yeah, never mentioned Chris that Tucker it was. singing. <laughs> but like the intro, like the whole idea about the International Space Station growing bigger and bigger and bigger with all these different civilizations, yeah. and then becoming so big they need to blast it out of the orbit of Earth because it's starting to actually screw with things in the environment. I thought the ideas, like that idea and all the other ideas in the movie with the technology and, you know, the open market that was interdimensional, you know, it was like taking place in both dimensions. So you that, was, that was a really cool scene. It was cool an awesome scene. idea. That was probably the coolest part. And I think that movie is full of great ideas, but just poorly initiated. Yeah. And like you said, you started, or talking about the beginning, it felt top heavy in a sense. Like the first half hour to an hour, I was loving it. And then... As was progressing towards the end, I was losing interest. Yeah. Well, so I I was one hundred percent on board up until and I I, with without getting into spoilers, but they there's this alien race that plays a huge part in the film. So they end up going into the dark zone. I think is what they call it in the movie or the danger zone, whatever. (laughs) But (laughs) once they, once they actually get there, that's kind of when the movie comes to a screeching halt for me. Cause that's when it lays out the exposition and it spends a lot of time there. Like the movie is paced really well in that you kind of shift from environment to environment and it's always moving forward. But then you spend the last like half hour of the film there and it's the least visually interesting part of the movie. It's where all the exposition happens. Yeah, it's a dump. You ever, you ever <laughs> noticed, did you notice that whenever a scene wasn't filmed in front of a green screen, like the background was drab and kind of boring? Yeah. Like you yeah, could tell a lot which, of which backgrounds were real because they weren't that visually stimulating whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. a lot of the space station stuff yeah. was, was it like was that. like white walls with squares on them. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's bathroom. <laughs> tiled who knew this was an indie film <laughs> but yeah i mean this this was technically it was independently financed <laughs> oh, i mean right. this I movie like banks a big, <laughs> chinese bank. chinese bankers yeah, basically bankers yeah like chinese investors it. and bankers it, huh. it has a 200 million dollar budget and it's bombing pretty hard like i haven't checked recently but i don't think at least that, in the u.s i haven't yeah, what checked about internationally but I don't. Yeah, me, I'm assuming it'll be fine overseas and like over time. But the first week of the U.S. release was just like this movie got shit on. Well, the same thing happened with the Fifth Element. So like it was a domestic That's bomb, but it made a lot of money internationally, and it was also uh, had mixed reception like critically when the movie first came out. And now everyone fucking loves that movie. So same I man. feel like the same thing <laughs> is going to happen with Valerian. Like. <laughs> 
15 years from now, I think people are going to be talking about Valerian the same way they talk about the fifth element now. Mm-mm. You just wait and see. You shut your mouth. Someone who does not like the fifth element. I, I do know people who That's don't me. like it. Is that you? I don't, really don't like, like it. it? No, not really. I would give it a, a failing grade. I'm sorry, I'm a huge wow. heavy metal Heavy metal, the movie, the animated movie from back oh, in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Massive heavy metal fan, and that's I feel like Fifth Element is a live action version of a heavy metal movie. And that's why I love that movie so much. Heavy Metal was a movie that my dad wouldn't let me watch when I was younger. Well there's cartoon <laughs> boobies, dude. I know. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> well, so let's talk about some of the other characters in the film. So Cl- Clive Owens in the movie. And doesn't really do much. He like, wasn't he, even that good of an actor. No. no. I love Clive Owen, but he was not good in this John movie. Goodman. John Goodman was in it for about three minutes. Yeah, he does the voice yeah. of the character. But <laughs> Which only looked in a one lot scene. like the guy from the new Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah, <laughs> Like the scrap yeah. guy or whatever. Yeah. And then Rihanna is in this movie. She plays like a shape-shifting alien. But she's like, her scene was cool. Her big <laughs> scene, was... of, like, her dance scene was really cool. cool she sang opera. Oh, cool. yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, well, I don't I know. I was just like, oh, well, that I was kind of, that was a spoiler. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Uh, yeah, so she's like a performance artist, but she's like a pole She's dancer. in the movie for maybe 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and they try to make her character have like an emotional payoff, and that just com- falls completely Didn't, flat. That wasn't scene. earned, but she did have a cool character. That scene the, was the really cool. Yeah. And what they end up doing with that character was a really interesting idea. I mean, like Jay said, this movie is full of interesting ideas. Yeah. It's just a little messy around the edges, and the, the script is not great. Um, who else are we missing? Ethan Hawke. Oh yeah, he, I thought he was really good. He he's barely fun. he's yeah. barely in well, the movie. But. See, there are just so many characters in this movie that they could have elaborated on, like the guy who was driving the submarine. Oh, that guy! And yeah. then you had to get the jellyfish to like put on her face or whatever. The yeah, jellyfish that was had to sit on her so face. So weird. Yeah, That's so that cool. Was weird. Yeah, just lots of crazy shit. Like it does. It's, this movie is fucking bonkers, but I liked it. Like I was, I was all sounds right for sequels. But I was actually, yeah. well, I mean, it's probably a trilogy. It's going to be a trilogy, right? If it makes because money. That's what, <laughs> that's what movies do nowadays. Probably depends on how this... They shit out two more craps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least two more craps. Is this the movie with the supermodel as one of the leads? Yeah. yeah. Well, she is a model, Cara Delevingne. Yeah, she is a model. I'm not sure what her name is. She but... has uh, very prominent eyebrows. That's uh-huh. what, yeah, that's very what she's thick, known for. Thick eyebrows. Yep, yep. And caterpillars. Uh, did you guys... I don't know if anyone else felt this but her voice sounds really similar to emma stone and just kind of the way she acts like her her vocal mannerisms i feel like I if you played odd way. like audio of the two of them like emma stone's maybe a little bit raspier but there's just something about like the cadence of the way they talk and i don't know i immediately thought of emma stone hmm. and they even look kind of similar you know ish she's got a unique look <laughs> i could see that it's his eyebrows mm-hmm. um so yeah uh, anything else you guys want to talk about with Valerian? Um, I mean, it's a pretty shallow film, in the sense that it's it's a, it's all about the spectacle and full of plot Definitely. holes, right? Crazy plot holes. <clears throat> but I mean, you know, it's a pretty surface level film. I really enjoyed it on that level, but yeah, I would just if you're gonna look for something that's fun or visually stimulating, check it out. But there are some issues with it. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, well, you guys want to do some star ratings? Yep. 
It's gonna be four and a half out of five for me. Whoa, Damn, that's nice. So the, Hell yeah, dude. The highs wow. must have outweighed the lows. Yeah, absolutely. The right. highs were really high for me. I, I really, really had a good time with it. I'm excited to watch this, but I don't, I don't think I'm gonna see it when it's in theaters, which is probably a mistake. And that's yeah. just sad too, because it's, it's definitely a theater movie. Yeah. But then you gotta pay the movie, pay yeah. the money to see it in the theaters. And it's, mm. just, it's just money, Jay. <laughs> dude, it's a huge You're scheme, right, man. <laughs> Telling you, these execs right um they, <laughs> let me they, tell you they, they put visuals <laughs> they put all their money in the visuals they don't put any money in the story which apparently you're saying was garbage i didn't watch the movie the writing was garbage you said the story was garbage it's a made for expensive i mean it's like 15 bucks right but still 15 dollars is kind of a lot of money to me a teacher mm-hmm. the same that's why you just leave they with, want you to go to the theater because then if you don't it's not working out theater, for them in this one though all right. If you leave the plot out of the movie, good. then we can't criticize it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm going to give it a three and a half. Okay. I'm right there with you, Jay. Mm. 3.5. Two 3.5s. Cool. All right. Well, let's keep moving along. Next right. review is going to be Dunkirk. Oh, yeah. So we've got another clip. Let's take a listen. What has happened is a colossal military disaster. We shall go on to the end. We shall never surrender. Okay, Dunkirk is the latest dun, film. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, latest film from Christopher Nolan, uh, the director of Interstellar, <laughs> the Dark Knight trilogy. Inception. Plot synopsis reads, Evacuation of Allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire, and France, who were cut off and surrounded by the German army from the beaches and harbor of Dunkirk, France, between May 26th and June 4th of 1940, during Battle of France in World War II. It's a weird-sounding... Seems like a weird During sentence. Battle of France. During Battle of France. It's the name of the battle. Mm. I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a big um, area for one battle. But... Battle of France. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Wikipedia or whatever that was. <laughs> that was IMDb. Okay. Uh, so all four of us did see this movie. Uh, we should say Jay already bounced. He has to go cook dinner or something. So he'll be back again. But uh, it's just going to be the four of us from here on out. Um, what did you guys think of Dunkirk? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first if you want. Well, as of 5.58 p.m. on Sunday, July 30th, this is the most immersive experience you will ever experience. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, my God. Okay. That was but a... <laughs> I will caveat that you have to see it in the proper IMAX format. I, As someone who saw it more than once. Yeah, we. I'll get into it, but I don't have anything negative to say about this movie. Wow. It's going to be all negative. gush, wow. glowing. Reviews. Not a single thing negative. No, me. this is top notch, creme de la creme. <laughs> like our star rating is not high enough for this movie. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's uh, pretty effusive. It's incredible. Okay. Well, well. push back. 
pushback. I disagree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll start there. <laughs> I did like the movie, but honestly, I was pretty disappointed. I So the movie starts off really strong. I really like how the movie starts. Uh, there, there's a soldier who's essentially, or a group of soldiers, I guess, who are kind of wandering through like some empty streets. And then they come under enemy fire, and then they follow a character, and he ends up finding safety. But just following him through the streets, getting to the beach, I thought that was all really cool. And the movie never lets up. It's like an hour and 50-ish minutes, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the tension is always, like, racked up. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, I just, the whole time I was watching the movie, beyond the first, like, 20 minutes, I felt just numb like emotionally numb mm. i was just kind of staring at the screen and it was it was tense but i just i didn't really get that like like you said super immersed like i the sound design in this movie is incredible yes. so like the explosions would like shake the theater and you felt like you were in the action but I, maybe it was just because the tension never let up, but I just, like, became numb to it. I totally agree. And kind of lost interest. Yeah. I think there's some contributing factors to that. And I should I should also caveat this by saying I had a not great movie watching experience. <laughs> <Sorry, laughs> which was Tom. not yeah. these guys' fault, but we were all going to go and uh, seats were being saved for me. Uh, and... I was late, so they had to be you, hey, given your up. Your concessions will be the death of you. I know, seriously. <laughs> I was in the process of texting Travis, I'm too fat to come in yet. <laughs> and uh, That, that might have saved the day. I know. If you would have sent that I was starving. I hadn't, I hadn't had anything to eat, man. I needed okay. a hot dog. It was the worst hot dog, too. But also, I was feeling a lot of like shame, so <laughs> For shame. that might have... <laughs> <laughs> didn't make the hot dog taste better. Well, we had really good seats. Were yeah. you? Did you end up being in the very front row? Yes, I was in the front right corner. Arguably, oh, basically where we sat for Ghost in the Shell. Ugh. Exact same seats. Gross. At least you didn't have the 3D glasses, though. So yeah. that's true. Um, so I don't know if the sound was more intense down there, but like especially those really sharp like pop pop gunfires right at the start of the film were like piercing my eardrums in a good way so or a bad way in a bad way i had to adjust <laughs> so i don't know if i just adjusted or if it was like those particular types of sounds that were really really sharp but um back to what you were saying though matt i'm not sure if the fact that i was so close to the screen contributed to this but i had a really hard time telling uh the allied soldiers apart especially the group of young guys mm -hmm. i they couldn't look pretty similar i couldn't tell yeah. like who was who for a while and also, I was so flustered in the start of the film that, uh, like, all of the stuff through the streets was kind of a blur. And then when they got down to the beach, there's something that goes on that plays into the rest of the story that you have to pick up on. And I didn't pick up on that until, like, like 20 minutes into the movie. I was like, I think that's what happened when I was, like, not really taking anything <laughs> in, yeah to my brain are you talking about like the time dilation stuff is that what you're no not or? the time thing there's uh when he goes when he's on the beach he goes to, to take a shit in the sand oh yeah he runs into somebody yes, else yes. Mm -hmm. uh and that plays into the story and i wasn't sure what was going on so with that being said i also did not feel many emotional connections there are some like like kind of tragic things that a lot of tragic things that happen, but some, you know, ones that are particularly supposed to be poignant and like called out in the movie. I just didn't really get to me at all. No, not at all. I was more just concerned with the action 
you know pretty satisfied with the action um okay i loved all the stuff in the in the uh the dog fights because yeah. they did some cool stuff with the camera and i think that's what contributes most to imax aside from the sound when there are a couple scenes where like the camera almost goes completely upside down and it's really disorienting yeah mm. because you're just tracking behind like three other planes but they all dive in different directions and then the camera dies and you're like oh shit i'm playing too this is awesome right. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I will say that I saw this twice. The first time I saw it at the Cinerama in 70 millimeter, which Scott also saw it in that same theater. Um, but the second time I saw it was at the IMAX theater. Mm-hmm. And that like was a completely different experience than the first one. Like the first time I saw it, I didn't understand like 80% of the dialogue because a lot of it is oh, in accent. Same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was lucky if I caught every other word they were saying. Right. A lot of it's muffled or like drowned out by the other sounds going on in the movie. Yeah. Um, but I didn't pick up on a lot of that, but I thought it didn't matter really the mm-hmm. first time I saw it. And then also when I saw it in non IMAX format, um, I felt like it was missing the like grandness of it because the dogfight scenes were cool, but they were a little bit of a letdown because I was just expecting something greater. I mean, my expectations mm-hmm. for this were through the roof. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't have been more excited for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have an easier time picking up dialogue at yes. the IMAX? Because I, I had a really hard time there. I mm-hmm. picked up about, I would say I picked up about 80% of it this time rather than missing 80% of it the first time. But I think part Still, of it had to do with... It um, says a lot about the quality of the, like, the sound mixing. If you watched it twice and you still didn't get all of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Right. But, I mean... Like I get in my head sometimes when I watch a movie, and I was like so excited watching it the second time that like I was yeah. just like thinking about being excited rather than <laughs> focusing on the movie. But you're not the anomaly here. All four of us had a hard time with it. I think. Yeah, it, no, right. it was voices. hard to make out the dialogue. For sure. Not yeah. only the thick accents, mm-hmm. the loud noises, people are talking over each other, and they're nearly and not even saying anything that's all that important. No, it's no, just not. like. And once you realize that, you don't really need to be listening to them. I just sort of gave up. But it does help. Because, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. But I do think that if you see it again, you'll pick up on some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it adds, like, an extra layer to it. Even yeah. though, like, this plot is very simple. Like, there's not much to it. There's not much dialogue. But there's... The stuff that's said does matter. Yeah. In the boat no. scene, but you'll, maybe. You'll notice that more, but like, Bane in the, the airplane, time you watch it. That guy says nothing of importance. Tom Hardy could get away with zero lines in the movie, and his role, like his character, you would not know anything more or less about him. Speaking like, of which. True, you don't learn anything about him. But the thing is, like... Why is he even there? A lot of... It's just, <laughs> he fucking saved the day. But it's, <laughs> you can't think about it. It's like... But you know what I'm saying? Like, the character is well, just wasted. It didn't need to be Tom Hardy. Like, it could have been anyone, but beyond that, but, like. But it was. It, they, they the character it itself was, saying, like, to make it perfect. Like, me. he was, like, the biggest badass ever. No. And what? Of course, no. Tom, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy was a badass? Well, no, Tom Hardy yeah. is a badass, so what, he should play a badass in The actor movie. was a badass. The character, the character was, a badass. was a badass. I guess. I guess. He did his job. So I think like a fucking pro. I shot like three planes. Good for you, bud. He didn't Dude. have a fuel gauge. Like he had very minimal. You're fuel. not giving him like, enough credit. That was well. Awesome. Obviously, <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. But like, 
I will say like there's not much much emotional impact of this movie and you don't learn a lot about the characters but mm-hmm. like for me movies can be different things and this was like recreating the experience of Dunkirk and I think he succeeded with that because like I felt yeah. either like I was in the war or I was at least a fly on the wall you know uh-huh. I it does it's missing the like one-to-one uh like individual kind of intimate uh character development or just like really powerful humanist type moments but it on an individual mm-hmm. scale it, exactly but but as it, a group, I think it does it a really a, a pretty good job with the the overall like uh triumph and like just mankind trying to survive and everyone's just the scene that was most powerful for me and i don't want to ruin anything but it has to do with the small crafts that are being sent out like the civilian small crafts that are that Mm. are are called um i thought that was like that was the most touching part for me yeah see i i didn't get anything from that like and i feel like part of the reason you're not so British. That, that scene, <laughs> that's true. I am not British. The, the main problem I have with that sequence. So, I mean, this is a historical film. So they're stuck on the beach and they're rescued by civilian boats. So like uh, when they finally arrive, I didn't really feel like the movie did a good job of really expressing the scope of that. It didn't seem like there were really that many boats. Like I, I wanted like a, a more large scale like i want to see just how many boats there were because there are three hundred thousand well, yeah. people evacuated and from the beach you yeah. don't see that many like actual soldiers on the beach throughout the movie mm-hmm. but the fact that he tried to be as like real as possible with it i think like he mm-hmm. he basically captured a section of the the dunkirk fight or whatever it just didn't feel like that big of a moment because it just seemed like it looked like there were like 25 small boats that roll up and everyone's like, yeah, we're saved. It's and like, they saved like, 200 soldiers. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. Like in um, a coworker of mine who also saw the movie, I, I didn't read up on the actual like fight of Dunkirk or the real life telling of it. But I guess there was like hundreds or thousands of planes that came in to try and bomb the beach. So like it's a very like it's. I would say the movie is a massive scale, but the, like in comparison to the actual event, it's small scale. You see like a cross event. cut of it. Yeah. But so the other problem that I have as far as if we're talking scale, 300,000 soldiers were evacuated, but 70,000 died on those beaches. Hmm. And I feel like you really don't no. like not this movie being PG-13, like not to say like I want to see the carnage, you know, but I just yeah. I feel like I never really felt a sense of loss in yeah. the film because you see people die and it's, you know, it's fucked up. But at the same time, like, it just didn't do a good job capturing the scale of that event. Because you, I mean, you know, right. you, you said you were drown, numb but we're seeing the people die. No, I was numb from the, the movie. It just never lets up. It's just like action sequence. But how, how many soldiers do you think tension. we actually see on screen? Like at at a given time, like the most you'd ever see at a given time. When they're packed mm-hmm. on the dock, a couple thousand probably. Right, but in in the real situation, it was like hundreds of thousands, right? Yeah. So the amount of people who died in the movie in relation to who are actually in the movie versus the amount of people who actually died versus the amount of are you saying ratio? No, I don't. <laughs> yes. that's that's not true because if we're actually going based off of the ratio, almost a quarter of the soldiers on that beach died, and that we definitely don't get that. That's a little less than that. Yeah. Well, right. There are like, like 400,000 people and about 30,000 30, got left behind. But it was like, 
Well, seventy thousand were killed. I feel like the the like, the exercise and the idea of the movie so. was to create like a tense experience. It, I don't think he was really setting out to show like how many people actually died during this event. No, I know. I'm just saying that just lended. But that to... would have made it more impactful for you if you would have saw more deaths. Yeah, well, because I didn't care about the characters because there's kind of three separate story threads, and you don't yeah. really get to spend enough time with anyone to really establish a connection with them. That was issue number enough, one. Though. Not for me. Yeah. Well. So that's go watch your TV shows, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I. Ugh. Like, this might be Christopher Nolan's worst movie, honestly. Uh, arguably his best. Man of Steel? <laughs> That's not Christopher Nolan. He's he, pr- he produced it. He produced it? He didn't direct it? No, no. Zack Snyder, that piece of shit, directed it. Like, that Following is, is worse movie. than this, but I love all three of the Batman movies more than this. Inception, Interstellar, The This Prestige. is either my favorite or second favorite Nolan movie. Jesus. Mm. I just don't right. think it does but anything. But I will, I will give, like, the exception that you have to see this in the proper IMAX format. Because it, it, it's not the same. like, And he's like, it's like unfair for Christopher Nolan to be playing in this like realm of IMAX. Because not a lot of other filmmakers have the like capability to do mm-hmm. that. Well, so while we're talking about IMAX, another issue that I had with the film was <clears throat> like 80% of the movie, maybe even more, is filmed in IMAX. Yeah. So when it switches aspect ratios... Most of the time, it didn't bother me. Uh, but there are single scenes. So the example I'll give is it's the Mark Rylance story thread. So they're on the boats. They're going to Dunkirk to rescue the soldiers. And they go past like a, a, a battleship or a freighter or something full of soldiers. So it's the 35 millimeter aspect ratio on the small boat switches to IMAX and you get this really cool shot of the freighter and them going alongside it. And then when it cuts back to the small boat, it's an IMAX. Right. It Within is, a single scene, they it shot is it in two different... I will agree with that. That took me out of the movie. Like, but aren't I did you not... just like happy with the amount of IMAX footage that you got? I, because <laughs> no, I feel I'm, like... I'm, no, because I feel like it should have just been all filmed in IMAX. I would have loved that. If I were to give any complaint or mistake that Nolan made, it would be he didn't shoot this in 100% IMAX. Right. And I'm, it's, it wasn't a the huge deal. The only thing he did wrong. No. <laughs> I don't have a lot of complaints about this movie. I just don't feel like it achieved anything really beyond a sense of like kind of like triumph and just sort of stereotypical, uh, mm-hmm. you know, thoughts of sacrifice in, in wartime it, and like loyalty. And those are just so like overdone themes that I would have liked something. And Beyond that, it feels like a lot of other Christopher Nolan films. Like, this, the score is... I would say that it doesn't feel like other war movies, though, which is a positive. Like, we don't get into the same tropes as other war movies. It like, doesn't... Except for what, what he said we, about there's the There's not honor, any downtime yeah, to, like, even learn about the these patriotism, guys. patriotism. That's all in there. Those are pretty heavy-handed. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was any, like... Uh, any deception about the score, what the movie was supposed to be the about. score changes during the like triumphant moment and it's like a sweeping like epic mm-hmm. oh my god we're over this catastrophe type feeling and i totally get that but i think it worked because like we were on a i mean this is like obvious to say about a movie like this but it was literally a, a roller coaster like i felt like that was it was not literally 
coaster. No, it was literally not. <laughs> no, it was yeah, not. no. Like I felt like I was on like a ride. Like it was like an experience. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's you weren't literally okay, on. Right. I hear what you're saying. Don't, I hear what you're saying. Like don't hang on to that keeps word. You tense. <laughs> <laughs> the music keeps you tense, and then finally, like the music is telling you that we're going to be okay at the very end. That's it's what you're it's well executed, but it's almost like so well executed that nothing surprised me, and I didn't. I just don't have a lot of takeaways except for yeah, you can watch that movie one time and it will be pretty awesome and then you'll you don't need to watch it again i don't feel the same way like i i want to go back and like experience that again and i'm going to (laughs) you're gonna get diminishing returns though no it'll be like this no it's the same thing with gravity i feel like i only saw that once in the theater but like i don't know like there's so many scenes in this that are great we haven't even talked about it like we talked about the dog fight stuff Mm that stuff's incredible especially in imax like all the ships sinking, like, just, like, watching, like, an actual ship sink, like, it's not CGI or anything, like, that was cool to see, like, all the explosions are, like, real explosions, like, the oil scene is awesome, the torpedo scene is awesome, yeah. I mean, it's, the it's opening a scene, for sure. like, puts, pulls you right into the movie, like, there's, like, those, um, cards coming down from this, the sky that are, like, we surrounded you, like, you better surrender, and the guys are just, like, trying to like take the last drag of a cigarette or like trying to take the last bit of water out of a canteen or a like a hose like i i don't know i just thought it like threw you right into the feeling of war and it never like really let up until the end and i can appreciate that movie like for what it did because like it's an experience you'll like never really have like you'll watch another war movie it's not going to be the same type of feeling and try and go see this in non-IMAX, it's not going to be the same thing. Like, I just think this is like a movie you have to experience on the biggest screen possible. Okay, but then what does that say about, like, its lasting appeal? You see it in IMAX. It's the same as Valerian. This is exactly the same as Valerian. This is why you like Valerian. The reason why he likes this movie is why you like Valerian. It's not yeah. right because of the visuals. But we're not talking. He's not, adding an emotion. He's not talking about the visuals. <laughs> he talked about IMAX for like five minutes. <laughs> That's visual. Well, right. But the thing with Valerian, though, is that you know, in high definition, like those colors are gonna pop. Like it's gonna look really good. Not that Dunkirk looks bad. It looks incredible. All I'm saying is that it's <laughs> it's less about the visuals and it's more about. Like Travis said, like the immersion of being in that theater and seeing it in the quote unquote proper format, you can only see it in its proper format once. And then, you know, maybe they'll do like a special thing later. But that's I feel like that's a different conversation. Like, are you going to fault the movie because it only like because at home it would still be a good movie, but it wouldn't hit the same mark like compared to IMAX. Right. But I'm not faulting it. I feel like you're praising it too much. And saying that you have, like, you have to see you have, it in IMAX. I mean, I I saw it in seventy millimeter, which was probably the second best way you could see it, at least in Seattle. And I was slightly let down. I saw it again mm-hmm. in the proper IMAX format, and I was blown away. And I'm like so excited about it that I want to go see it again. Not everyone. And this is a personal experience for me. I, I know. I will. But not everyone has access to an IMAX theater. I know. know. And that most sucks people are going to see it on it a sucks smaller for screen, them. like because I I feel <laughs> bad that losers. They, no, I like I honestly feel bad that not everyone two can types see of people it in this, this format. Yeah, <laughs> but we didn't even like we haven't even gotten to, into individual <laughs> scenes yet. Like the target practice scene was very intense. Oh, can I talk about the target practice scene? Sure. Because this is like 
the scene that says the most about how humanity. I feel about the movie. <laughs> how I feel about the movie, not humanity. And uh, I agree with you, Travis, that the film gives you a, like a good sense of immersion, uh, mostly through the music. And so I'm watching this boat scene for the first time. I've only seen the movie once, okay? But I've thought about it like in my head. Anyway. Endlessly. So I don't know if you guys like don't do spoilers on this show or whatever. Mm. Uh, is that bad? Is we usually like call them out. Oh, and then yeah. Do I mean, okay, well, well, spoiler, you guys just... spoiler, I'm going to talk about this scene. Well, let's so move into let's just move into spoilers. So oh, okay. that's usually what we do. So okay. we'll yeah, say we can do that. Spoilers for Dunkirk will start now. I mean, it's not even like anything is really going to be spoiled. Nothing. There's really no like. Yeah, but we outcome. needed to get there anyway. anyway right. But go ahead. So they're in this boat, right? They find this boat, and this group of soldiers. I can't tell who is who. They all look the same to me. <laughs> I can't understand what one they're of them saying. was Harry Styles. I hear. I heard that. I don't even know what he looks like though. So it's worse for me because I can't like I can't he, identify him. He was the asshole. The guy that wanted to murder the mm-hmm. the German the spy dude who, who him of being turned a spy. out to be a Frenchman yes. or something. Okay. Anyway, so they're in this boat and they're getting shot and the bullets are coming through the boat and they need the boat to sail so they can get off the beach, obviously. But they're waiting for the tide to come in to take the boat up off the sand. Um, tick tick tick. And tick, so tick, yeah, tick. and the the music is like ticking all the while, so it's like building this this like tense situation. And then for some reason, the soldiers decide to like stay in the boat. They're being shot at. And then the water starts to pour through the holes as the tide comes in, and they decide to, like, try to plug the holes with their hands. And the bullets are still ripping through the wall, and people are, like, getting shot. And it's like, I thought they were so stupid for doing that. And then I thought back later, uh, and I thought that those soldiers, like, if they're in that situation for real, they're going to be stressed out. They're hungry, they're tired, because we saw them earlier trying to drink the water from the hose, right? Not getting anything. So we know that they are, like, exhausted. They're not making rational decisions. They're just, they're just like, in survival mode, basically. And so it makes sense that that scene is, like, in my mind, at least, they're doing irrational things because they're, like, in this super tense situation. Yeah, so, it's frustrating for you as a viewer. Yeah, and I like that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think this an incredible great, performance I, I or two mixed <laughs> in there would have done a lot for that. You know, just like the movie doesn't do such a, a great job of telling you or like showing you how disoriented these these soldiers are. I mean, you have to watch them go through a hellish experience. I think but like, I think it does though. It's missing. It's missing some moments of someone like having a nervous breakdown or dude, well Killian what about murphy, uh, scarecrow on the boat yeah, dude killian murphy is damn near on the verge of a nervous breakdown the entire movie that's true like but he looks genuinely you don't get to see spooked. his i don't know he's shaking I I, like i thought his performance was dude, he's good. on the fear drug he's like seeing yeah. worms and shit on people's faces <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly you know <laughs> uh, i thought they did i thought you know i didn't love the movie i'll say that I liked it okay. I thought it was okay. Um, but the thing that I thought Nolan did the best was the sense of immersion, like you were saying. Yeah. I know you don't agree with that, but just yeah. the fact, the feeling like we've seen what the soldiers are going through. They have no water. They have no food. They have to take shits in the sand next to like dead people. People are getting blown up. They're inside of these boats. They're drowning. It's like, it's fucking crazy. And so that was good. I like that. Rest of the movie... The actors, I can't think of a single memorable performance or line for that matter. Like the action, it was not really an action movie for one, but the action was still like 
I feel like the plane scene so was wait, a little repetitive. Not an action it was World movie, War. It? It's not an action movie. It's a war movie, like you said. Yeah. But a war movie doesn't have to be an action movie, right? Right. But so I'm saying I feel like there's like, a lot of action bad in the movie. <laughs> there's. Let's not I split guess, this hair. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> let up. Like there, there's, some there's a lot parts. of like set pieces. There are some boring parts. Yeah, I, got I was bored. never bored. There's some slow the first parts. or second time. <laughs> All right, so that's where we disagree. I guess, yeah. But, well, um, you felt kind of the same way, Tom. Right? Like you got? Did you also get kind of bored? Yeah, certain parts. Sure. Um, I, I you could see everything coming a mile away, literally. there there just aren't really any twists and turns um i think this movie is best enjoyed if you're willing to just like buy into the what i said earlier about this being a triumphant grand film with a simple story and an immersive experience if and only if you can see it in the imax (laughs) did you guys have any anxiety watching the movie at all no like I did. Your heart rate a little well, bit. Okay. I did. All or like, in the, for me, it did. In the scene, uh, like mostly the water stuff. Like I, yeah. I was feeling very claustrophobic when the ship was sinking. Mm-hmm. But the part yeah. that I got at the noise. worst yeah. was when um, Tom Hardy's buddy like crashes in the water <sighs> and the hatch shit. won't open. And he's yeah. trying to bust it with the flare gun. Like that was where I felt the most anxiety was during that scene. And that was probably my favorite that was- part of the movie was was that right there that and also scene. the ship sinking was really cool the, the nighttime yeah. scene mm-hmm. that was incredible but the mo- the rest of it like it was it was good it looked really good and it was tense but i just i expected more i don't know yeah do you feel like a second watch <clears throat> would help or no it could i, I do want to see it a second time yeah i think this movie has the highest potential <laughs> of the year so far for going up on a second watch for me yeah, because of my like I said, like I didn't yeah. understand a lot of the dialogue the first time, and like I think I was just in my own head too much the first time because like the the way the trailers cut almost makes it look like Tom Hardy's a bad guy, and I <laughs> thought he was a bad guy. Like, he was a German early or on in the movie, but then I've, he's got those I shifty eyes. He always looks like he's trying to see something well, that he can't quite see. In the trailer, <laughs> the way they cut it is his buddy says he's on me, and then it cuts to Tom Hardy and says I'm on I'm him. On <laughs> but the thing is, is like. There's no like yeah. third plane for you to like distinguish yeah. that in the trailer. So going in, uh, I I honestly uh, thought Tom Hardy was the bad guy because they played his buddy double agent as if he was the good guy. <laughs> yeah. So, and I I feel like you also get a, like a better sense of like where everything's at as far as like the geography of the movie the second time through because like you're going to be paying attention to different things like you'll see ships off in the distance and we haven't really got into the whole like three different storylines and how mm-hmm. they intersect and cross timelines and like even cross the axis at some point where like the main story is showing stuff that isn't necessarily progressed far enough in the second story. Like, did you mm-hmm. guys understand the way that the story was portrayed? Um, yes. I picked up on it. No, no, no. Like with the three different, like, cause some people were confused by that. Yeah. Every I mean, once it literally in a while. spells out how yeah. it works. But sometimes I couldn't but tell, it, like I would see it a, a boat and it doesn't I'd be like, spell is that out. the boat? It, it puts it on the screen. Boat, I wouldn't you know? say it necessarily spells it out though. It, it, it says literally the mole says one the week. Mole. Yeah. Right. I was confused But someone by that. could read that differently than it just being literally a, a week span of time. Like how someone else could say like one week until the mole. Like some people didn't even know what the, the word the mole was. Well, then those people are stupid. I'm just saying like. There's no reference for you to know though until you see the next title. It says like one day right. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so until if you just see one week. 
You really I don't it said know. Week one, which was no, also said, confusing. It said one week. That's okay. what confused me at first because I was like, "Don't you mean week well, one? Like, well, aren't yeah. we going to go in a linear style?" But no, we didn't. It's like right. So at first, but then yeah. obviously it transitions to the next scene, and then you see okay. Yeah, one, when you one see that, day, you know. But when it yeah. first comes up, it's not obvious how the film is going to be edited. No, like that's not what I'm saying. I you thought said that's it what spelled you're it out. It does. It spells what out? How the exactly film is letter it, by exactly letter. how it's going to be constructed. But you don't know that until you get to the. Next I would say spelling it out would be you have yeah. you have like zero like so we're we're harping on like the choice what? of words you use. Just like when I said literally a roller coaster, you're saying which it, it wasn't. It spells it out for you. <laughs> it yes. doesn't spell it out. It says the mole one week. But you don't know what that actually means until the movie progresses. You learn 15 minutes in once it sets up all three disparate storylines. Yeah, that's what we're saying. What are, what are we arguing about right it's now? It's very minimal what we're arguing about. But you're saying it, like, I, I feel like that part is not super clear. And you're saying it, it spells it out for you. It does. I don't think it does. Am I, am I crazy? Is no? it, Matt, Matt, is it clear what, is it clear, like, the time span from the very first scene like when not you see from the one. very first scene. like you it see the mole one week up. and you're thinking oh this storyline's gonna last one week it has to it set doesn't... all three of them up it takes 20 minutes to do that and then once it establishes how time works in the movie yeah you know exactly it, it, it spells it out for you that's what i mean it takes the three different story threads and literally tells you this is one week this is one day this is one but some hour. people could read that differently that's what i'm saying how how I understand being confused from the first title, seeing the mole one week. Yeah. I get that. But once all three of the storylines are established, how could that possibly be confusing? I still feel like you don't really understand it until you start seeing things out of order. At least for me okay. or other viewers. Maybe we're not as smart as you, Matt. But... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we, we got to get going. Uh, oh, I have a really important question that I need to ask on behalf of my wife, okay. <clears throat> which is, why does Christopher Nolan hate Tom Hardy's face? <laughs> there, is an there is actually an article that was posted, I think, this weekend about it, but I didn't read it. You know, it. in fact, why does everyone hate his face? Because he also had that he steel face. mask in, uh, in uh, Mad Max oh, for like half true. the movie. Yeah. We didn't talk enough about the sound, though. This, did you, you I think didn't we talked like enough the score? about the sound. I didn't like the score. I like the sound design. I, I thought like the, the score. score was awesome. I thought the score was the, probably the best part of the movie. Because it, I mean, it definitely like that's what it, gave me. It tells the you what of... to feel some of the time, which is like Being kind reversed. of like manipulative. But at the same time, I thought it worked really well and added to the movie. I love like the siren sound that like revs up towards the end, and the sound design, like the airplanes whizzing by the screen, sounded super real. Like the engines of the plane sounded super real. The impactfulness of the bullets sounded really good. Like they were like piercing my ears, almost to a detriment. Mm. Tom would hearing damage. Say. Mm -hmm. Yes, especially in IMAX. And even like uh, a small moment I noticed was when Tom Hardy runs out of fuel near the end. You can hear like air like whistling through his. That cockpit. was cool. Like I that. did like that. I like the Just sound the, design. It's there's not... a lot of like Tom small... Hardy flew for like. Six hours with no, no fuel. one hour, Tom. <laughs> he it was turn clearly established no at the was start not of the movie. Well, it spelled it out. Designed one hour. <laughs> Everyone's like rolling in on a train in daylight, and he's it's nighttime, and he's just soaring across the beach. Why couldn't he jump so out long. over his soldiers? Why you know, couldn't he jump? I asked why did the he same get? Question. Why did he choose to be captured? I don't know why they did that. Yeah. Why well, would he no had make to, any sense? 
Uh, he had to loop back around to get that last plane. And then when he did, yeah. he should have popped jumped out, out with his parachute. Because he or, flew back again Or over landed, the beach. like, so much earlier. <laughs> well, he was he was going, this This is not going to do anything for our listeners. He was headed south, right, along the beach. Because then the he had to loop back the, around, the take out the last one, and yeah. then he was already going that way, and he had no fuel. So he had to just manually land it. When Okay, when he Should've destroyed the last airplane... Earlier. Don't they have parachutes? He could have. He could have jumped out. Yeah, they had parachutes. But the thing is, like, don't you need like at least some sort of force while you're like? He was you, gliding. It was enough to jump out. But how far to would get you? The parachute? I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know enough about World War Two technology or like. <laughs> he could have done a no, splashdown like his buddy did. They could have, you know? uh, but they could have. I think that if that was the logic he had behind to take it, they out that something. last plane. But after he took out the plane, he could have still not been captured he could have landed right. the plane on the water <clears throat> or as jumped the, as out run the jewels would say was, don't get captured that was the honorable <laughs> thing to do the honorable thing was to land the plane yeah. again oh he lights I the plane know. on fire oh. and then he's just hanging out like what? well I that's one the other soldiers can't use it well yeah light it on fire but then leave he was just like standing where's he gonna land? go like they're coming across over the hill as he lands swim basically. across the channel <laughs> This is like a British thing. Oh shit! <laughs> this this is the part Somebody that sort it. of bugged me about the movie was this whole like sense of honor. You kind of talked about it earlier, mm-hmm. but it was, I thought it was a little cliche and a little heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that like the whole music flourishing when the like civilians come across to rescue their buddies is like so overtly patriotic. And uh, I always like to pad the brakes when I see those kinds of things because to me it's it screams propaganda. And even though it's coming from, like, Christopher Nolan, who just entertains people, right? Uh, it makes me think, like, is this some sort of Brexit thing? Because he's a Briton. Like, uh, why Why did he choose to make this movie about Dunkirk now? Like, you know what there else has is to be some sort of historical perspective. Did you guys pick up on about. this? There were You don't see any Germans in this movie. I was pissed. Yeah. Well, until you gotta the very have end. Nazis in a World War II film. Do you? I you thought gotta that was kind Nazis. of. I thought that was one of the more interesting choices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did like that too. I missed the Nazis. I would. I would have liked to see some Nazis <laughs> get blown up or shot down or something. I mean, you do see them at the end, but not totally. Very I mean, but they're not. They're blurred. Though. They're, yeah, you yeah. don't see a, a single German's <clears throat> face, right? You know, and I like that. Yeah, I like that too. And there were a couple little moments I liked, like um, when they set up all those cars to like walk over the tide coming in. Oh yeah, the like uh, that was the, cool. the pier and, like, or whatever. Yeah, like they had to like build like a bridge basically to get on oh, the ships. Yeah, yeah. And then like the medic walking across the plank, that was pretty intense. Like the like flimsy board that they walked mm-hmm. across. Um the like the heroes getting beers at the end I thought was like a touching moment. It was It's meant to spur that nationalistic part inside yes. of you. <laughs> get you to be like, yeah. Comrades, well, and even like know? the character, yeah, the main, the main character at the end, like he gets on the train and his buddy still wants to talk to him about the war, and he's just like, "I'm fucking done," and he like puts his head down and like wants to go to sleep. Like, uh-huh. I thought that was also a good moment too, because like if I just went through that kind of catastrophe, it's like, "Yep, we're good. I'm done talking about it." Though. And that's when the music stops too, like on yeah. that train, which I thought was cool. Kind of like, we're that's done. why I said I thought the music was the best thing about the movies because that's. That's the thing that, for me, makes it immersive. Yeah, I, I feel like it, the score is effective. I just didn't find it very memorable. And oh, it's the, not the, memorable the ticking, at all. The ticking. It's not meant to be memorable. But Hans Zimmer's Zimmer scores are always super memorable. And I was expecting that from this. I'm not saying it wasn't effective. 
I would just explain, because I love the Interstellar score, and I know it's a different thing, and they're trying to do accomplish different things, but I just was expecting something more memorable. It serves the movie very well, except that I wasn't a big fan of the clock ticking. So your constantly. failed expectations mean that the movie is... No, I'm not... I think not the good. score is incredibly effective. I just was expecting something more memorable. I'm, me personally... Just because I'm, I'm used to no, what I'm it. used to from Hans. At least I'm you just didn't dislike asshole. it, Matt. No, it, it did it did what it set out to do. Let's do star ratings. Yeah, I don't think I can it. talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, 3.5 out of 5 for me. 3.5 after too, everything you said? That's too low, yeah, Matt. I because I'm going to give it... No, no, that's too low, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm probably going to give it like a 3. Whoa. I think oh, on your scale, whoa. you do like one to five. I need to get like a. Uh, I view. Okay. I need to get a grasp on your star. Rate. So yeah, yeah. Like, so Name like some I was five saying, star movies. You just got it. That so let me like <laughs> let me put a footnote here. So three out of five. I'm viewing your rating. This is my first time on your show, right? I'm viewing the three as like average, an average movie. Yeah, yeah. Five is amazing, spectacular. One is like garbage. Okay. Yeah. I thought this movie overall was average, maybe slightly better than average. Because, because uh, the music was great, I was emotionally attached. I wasn't emotionally attached, but I was like emotional. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the but- actors, I couldn't tell them apart. They didn't have any memory. Like the writing, why bother? I couldn't hear what they were saying, and it didn't really seem like what they were saying was all that important, except for maybe the civilians on the boat with Scarecrow. Yeah. Uh, the action was fine. <laughs> the plane fight was a little repetitive. Uh, I still have some lingering See questions. See that in Glorious IMAX, and it'll clear that up. No, that's, I also that's fair. thought it was repetitive. That's fair. Stuff. Uh, and yeah. the patriotic like chest pounding, <laughs> I didn't like. I'm not a big one for like jingoistic bravado, so that hit a little too hard for me. I thought parts of it were a little cliched, so I give it, uh, you know, yeah. an average, slightly above average, maybe. So, but I'm a story-driven person. So that's See, my I'm not. bias. I'm that's not. my bias. Well, so we I all get, know you're going to love this movie more than life itself. Um, obviously, five stars. This movie can do no wrong. I'm going to go see it at least a third or fourth time in IMAX. And it's incredible. Uh, four stars. With the caveat I already gave, which is that probably has the most potential to go up on a rewatch but if you don't go see it in imax then there's no point to rewatch it but i don't really want to (laughs) (laughs) i I did i did actually make a comment at the end of the movie that chelsea was like you're gonna buy this on blu-ray aren't you and i was like no probably not because it won't be the same and she's like no you will which you probably try (laughs) but it won't be the same it it won't be the same but i would compare this to something like I did say that it wasn't as good as Fury Road the first time I saw it. Mm. Second time around, I feel like it's mm. as visually stunning as Fury no Road. No way. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. As Doesn't visually hold a stunning? Yeah. Okay. Okay, next movie. I'll take your word. I'm done with Dunkirk. <laughs> I'm done Kirk over it. <laughs> You're done Kirked? I'm, I'm past, done. Past tense? I'm done Kirked, Kirk. <laughs> okay, well... That's going to finish our Dunkirk review. So moving on, we are going to be reviewing Detroit. And this movie comes out August 3rd. So we should say we saw an advanced screening of it. Uh, we have another clip. Let's take a listen. Alice, uh-huh. no. Sometimes when a black guy is put in a position of authority, 
other black guys, they like to single you out. Okay, because I'm not supposed to tell them what to do. When we have these conversations, we do them in stages, okay? Stage one, witnesses. Stage two, suspects. What stage are we in? You don't know what stage we're in? No, could you specify for me? Yeah, we're in stage two. You're a suspect. Okay, Detroit is the latest film from Catherine Bigelow, who is responsible for The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Both Oscar winners. Mm-hmm. Plot synopsis on this Not one winners, reads... But well, Zero Dark Thirty didn't win Best Picture, but it was an Oscar winner. Uh, plot synopsis, amidst the chaos of the Detroit Rebellion... With the city under curfew and as the Michigan National Guard patrolled the streets, three young African-American men were murdered at the Algiers Motel. What did you guys think of Detroit? Loved it. Mm. Loved it. It took me a long time to digest this movie, honestly. I I didn't love it. I liked it. Um, We talked about this a little bit. It's kind of got three acts, and I think a lot of that was... Catherine Bigelow trying to set up a scene and a time and a feel. Um, and then another part of it was trying to have a specific character arc or mm-hmm. two. Um, and then there's the main part, which is at the hotel, of course. That's the middle act. And that was by far the best. Although I did like the character act, I just don't think it... I don't think they, they meshed together as well as they could have. It was definitely... I was very, very into the stuff that happens at the motel. I thought, like, talk about tension. Like, I felt yeah. way more tense watching this than Dunkirk. For sure. It was very tense. Um, and I, I didn't realize the movie was going to spend so much time, like, within that set piece or scene. And I didn't even realize it was going to go there at all. But I really Me liked neither. what we got. I was got. surprised. Yeah. Because it wasn't in line. It wasn't in tune with what we've been watching before that. You know? Right, but I did love the setup of it. I thought it was great, like the use of archival footage and like just setting the feeling of the movie, like the costumes, the city. Like I thought she did a very good job of just like setting the tone of it. And then at times I didn't even like couldn't tell the difference between inter- like archival footage and like the dramatized footage that she shot. Mm. I was a little bored. I was the too. First act though, like it needed to be there, and I do think if we're looking at the big picture, it needs to be there just to set up, like you said, the context and give Mm -hmm. it a very vivid sense of time and place. Yeah. But it dragged for me a little bit. Like I wasn't bored. Like a scene that I would point out is when we first go to like the performance hall, when they're about to do their performance, Mm -hmm. I was thinking if we're going to spend this much time on these characters, like it better fucking pay off at the end of like, you know, throughout Mm -hmm. the movie. And it Mm -hmm. did, but I didn't realize that until halfway through the movie so at the start i was feeling the same kind of thing but then it did like pay off towards the end right yeah and so i already mentioned how tense i felt watching this movie there are some scenes tom we discussed briefly that you kind of got like a sadistic feel from it and how yeah. like, amped up because it it, it Obviously, it's based on a true story, but it feels... See, I didn't know that going in, though. And so, there's a... It feels like there's a message being, like, delivered directly to your brain about 
about everything. And obviously, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to look back and be like, oh, civil rights, that was a bunch of bullshit, you know? But, uh, <laughs> but this guy is like off the charts sadistic. So it was nice to see that it was a true story that was, of course, being dramatized and yeah. not just something that came out of, of the director's brain or the writer's brain or whoever. Right. But also, they do have this claimer at the end of the film where they basically state that, like, these events like our depiction of these events come from uh user accounts basically so it's almost like a yeah you might have it was like a a safety net or something for how like fucked the movie was because they can say like we tried to be historically accurate but no one really knows you know (laughs) yeah no one knows what happened in that you could say that about a lot of true story movies though because there has to be some sort of like embellished part of it to make a movie out of it yeah but when you're setting up a true like time and place like the riot uh the riots in detroit in 1967 and then you give a small uh snippet of that that is with like but that did actually happen yeah it did exactly but that's what i'm saying like if you're gonna like totally make something up about a scene I, i don't know i feel like you're really putting yourself out there for harsh criticism so i think she mainly avoids that by it being a true story and there being a lot of gray area for interpretation but yeah i still think that i I don't know it just something about it just didn't quite click with me even like um so not to dive into the plot too much but the 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 policeman who is kind of the ringleader of the of the people who are in the hotel he's charged with murder like that day or the day before and his police chief just sends him back out on the streets until he's gonna go to trial it's like okay i mean did that happen or yeah we don't really know (laughs) you know because that's that's like crazy right you know oh you we think you murdered someone in the line of duty Uh, just like today though right Right, I guess. I mean, so. that's exactly what happens. They put today. them on paid. They put them on paid leave. Though. Okay, but they Speaking were never found that, guilty. Though. Like after right. you watch these videos, yeah. mm-hmm. no, totally. Even though this movie was set in the '60s, it's very timely of today, and yeah. like our how fucked up our. And I think that's system. why that she chose question. to make. Yeah, it, right? it's obvious why she decided to make it, but mm-hmm. I thought she did it very well. Yeah, it's... and we haven't talked about any of the performances yet, but like as far as like an ensemble performance, this is probably like the best of the year so far like if we're not talking about individual performances just you know as a whole well that was that was the next thing i was going to mention so based on the trailers it kind of presents john boyega's character mm-hmm. as the main character but mm-hmm. he plays a pretty small role in the film yeah so i did like the ensemble feel of the cast because it's just these people trapped in this hotel together well, he, he's like the neutral person in this story and we're, I guess we're supposed to relate with him in some way. Right, right. But one thing I will say about his character in particular is that I don't, maybe this happened, I don't know, but it did take me out of the movie in that there's an active crime scene and they just let a security guard just like wander in where a man has just been murdered and they yeah. let him take one of the, uh, the quote unquote suspects to do a search like they just let him. Like, but that could have happened in real life. Like we don't know for sure. It felt. That's what I'm saying. Though. It I don't felt know for out of sure. place. Yeah, it just it pulled me out of it. It's like why? Why were these cops? Well, they were cool him? with him. I mean, he was like cool with both parties basically. So he was in the middle of it. But like, you don't just let some dude walking off the street into a murder scene. 
they well, weren't really following protocol though like mm-hmm. they were like no like the the police officers were doing something they shouldn't have been doing so like you're criticizing like what they were allowing that guy to do but like what they were doing as a whole was like not the way they were supposed to act but it doesn't make sense that they would let him do that when they're doing such fucked yeah. up shit if anything i would go the i think other that's way. like a like that's like a nitpick though because mm-hmm. like you're not in that situation like you weren't there like those guys could have just let him they thought he was cool enough to be you know i think it speaks to the role that he was supposed to be playing in the movie which was made very clear from the beginning which is that he was supposed to be an uncle tom figure yeah and like the white well, people would be cool with him, him because i know like three <laughs> yeah. times it's like okay i think we got it um but uh yeah i thought that was a little bit weird too but that was like the role that he was supposed to that he was supposed to play yeah, it's just something that as it was as it was happening, I had the thought like, why would you know? It took me out of the movie. I'm not saying it did or did not happen. I don't know. It took me out of the movie. Yeah, I mean, it felt a little weird. Like, why is he just a part of them? But at the same time, it didn't really bother me or take me mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah, that's fair. The uh, who's the guy who played the ringleader, malicious dude? I don't know, but he was he's, really good. Yeah. He's from where the Millers, right? I don't know. I don't that kid. Name. Oh, he is. Um, yeah. The main cop. The most yeah. fucked cop. He's like the, the kid of the we're the Millers. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he was. I'm really googling good. him. Don't worry. Obviously, you're supposed <laughs> to like despise his character. Definitely. But he does a really good job doing that. Like, yeah. He really sold that performance. I really liked him in that role. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, well, I don't want to ruin the best line of the movie, but. Never mind. Just I'm gonna stop talking right now before I ruin. <laughs> Save it for spoilers. <laughs> uh, one thing I'm not a huge fan of Catherine Bigelow's like aesthetic. Uh, this movie almost had like a shaky cam. Vibe there was a lot times. of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that. I, th- I got I, that happened in the Hurt Locker too, and I wasn't a huge fan of that movie either, as I've made it clear on this podcast in previous hmm. episodes. But I do like. She has, uh, she likes to have very close shots and get in really close with characters. So it feels like the camera's in the room. I feel like that really lent itself well to the scene at the motel. Yeah. It felt like you were there in the thick of it as all this fucked up stuff was happening. So it served the movie well, her aesthetic during that part. But overall, I'm just not a huge fan. I'm just not a huge Catherine Bigelow fan. I will say this is my favorite movie of hers that I've seen. Yeah, I would probably still prefer The Hurt Locker, but I really like that movie. Um, I will agree with you that the shaky cam did bother me a little bit at the start. I don't know. I would just like, for a filmmaker who has like this much clout, you'd want to see a little bit more like, you know, like grandiose filmmaking. Yeah. She just gives you like a real like intense, like personal type feel to it. Doesn't do anything really showy with the camera. It's a lot of close ups, like you said, and Mm -hmm. a lot of shaky cam. Um, so that actor's name is Will Poulter and he was in We're the Millers and he was also in The Revenant he is the kid who gets stuck behind with Tom Hardy's character and like injured Leo and doesn't know what to do oh right okay I thought he looked familiar Mm -hmm. I I didn't actually look it up Um, yeah I I really enjoy this movie like I said it's incredibly tense like the scenes in that motel tough to watch but you also can't look away like it's yeah completely and that, i mean 
that was a, at least a third of the movie, I would say, is that one <clears throat> set piece. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because I like movies like that, like um, Green Room or other hostage-type situation mm-hmm. movies. Um, it did feel a little formulaic at times, though, but I feel like that's just like part of the story, like the courtroom drama that ends the movie. And Yeah. I do wish there was a little bit more like emotional payoff. I feel like there is definitely an opportunity there, like especially with uh, uh, the singer and Larry. his friend. Yeah, Larry and his friend. Mm-hmm. You know what ends up happening? To that character is, but that's like all up, you get but... as far as emotional payoff. The rest of it is just kind of like being horrified at the. the... Yeah, should uh, we talk about the uh, tension-filled experience we had at the theater? Oh, yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> oh, so there. Um, so this was an advanced screen. So this movie's not out yet. But it was a very, uh, I'll say, diverse group of people seeing the movie, which was cool. Yeah. But there was... What we were seeing on screen was reflected in the row behind us. Yes. So there (laughs) was a very vocal woman who was sitting behind us, and she... White. Well, no. No, she was white. The one who yelled was white. Right. So there was a woman... Uh, a black woman who was, you know, things would happen and she's, she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like over and over again and like clap when... Or if know. they said like the N-word or like those, you know, you people, she would like gasp at them saying that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Just she was audibly reacting to the film, yeah. which is annoying. So that that's <laughs> that's just one that's... It, she's not necessarily me. wrong though, right? Well, no. I mean, you have to ask, like, what is the purpose of this movie? But that's... So what happened was she was being very loud. And people were clearly Excessive, too. Like, it was, like... It escalated. Constant at one point for a few minutes. She kept talking. She was, like, talking, talking. And then a woman, a white woman, yells... Oh, God, what did she say Would you please be quiet? Yeah. (laughs) And then there was, like, a pause. It was, like, crickets. And then the woman goes, Excuse me? That's when I turned to Matt and, then we and I was like, like, oh, geez. I was already p- planning my escape at that point. <laughs> I was like, it, thankfully it didn't escalate from there. No. But I thought that there was going to be an exchange of words or something. Dude, I was nervous for a minute. <laughs> I mean, because it was it was, it was was bad on both parts, right? The, the one woman, she didn't realize how distracting she was being. Right. But, you know, she was being very distracting. Yeah. And then the other woman just like bottled it up inside her for a good hour. Yeah. And then finally just I'm like, like very yeah. rude, very rude. Oh yeah. She's a total dick. It's not like, I'm sorry. I'm just really distracted. Right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was great. a very like accusatory, like, will you please be quiet? Like she was so. <laughs> I cringe. Like, yeah. Her voice just made me. Uh-huh. Well, and when you guys went to go to the bathroom and get concessions, that lady asked me not to lean too far back in my chair because she just had surgery on her foot. Uh-huh. So I got a good look at her and she was probably like, like 75 plus old, old, old woman. Really? Yeah. like. <laughs> and so when I heard her, I was just like, Oh shit. <laughs> I think this that's interesting because this is like one of the huge problems that like the country is facing right now is there's this disconnect uh and I sort of talked about this earlier when Tom you mentioned that the cop like went free or something. Somebody mentioned, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing happens today, right? You watch these videos where these cops just like straight up shoot someone, just like murder them, right? And it's, and it's clear on camera. And it's like, like objectively 
Like they just straight up murdered someone and then they, you know, they get off. Mm-hmm. Right? No jail time. It's like the That's whole, insane. It's the whole story of Fruitvale Station. If uh-huh. you guys have like read about that or seen yeah. that movie. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, uh, I haven't seen the movie, but I'm wondering if this movie is made to like try to convince white people that like people of color get murdered by cops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that is. that is sort of coming out in the theater, you know, in this argument. I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I hope that there was a little bit more thought behind the movie than just that. Cause like, we're obviously aware of that happening. No, I mean, there are people uh, who like, I'm talking, really I'm talking generally. about me personally though. Like uh, I'm aware that like fucked up things happen like this, but it also happens to other races as well. Right. But and, this is yeah. telling a specific story. When I say white people, I kind of mean like whiteness as like a mentality, as like a bubble that you live in. And so obviously not all white people are racist, right? Obviously, you don't have to be white to be racist. Yeah. Um, it's kind. It's a mentality. It's like a cultural thing in a lot of cases. A lot of it has to do with like privilege. People are going to go like nuts over your podcast now because I'm saying all these like, <laughs> things. <laughs> uh, you've been checking that email man but, yeah <laughs> but yeah i don't know i mean I i'm kind of interested i want to see no. the movie now because i'm i'm curious about like, i totally get what, what you're saying is. but i feel like she's doing more than just that uh-huh but that the, that is part of what the yeah. movie is trying to do definitely uh i think you would like this movie scott i think right. you, you should watch it um all right we gotta keep it rolling you guys want to do some star ratings on this bad boy sure Initially, I think I think I logged it as a four. As a, as I've let the movie kind of sit with me, I'm think I'm at a four point five now. I really enjoyed the movie. I, I it took a little while to get going, and initially I wasn't very interested. And like I said, her aesthetic isn't my favorite. But like when now when I think back on it, like it was an incredibly effective film. Yeah, and I was teetering like on a four and a half or a five. I'm going to go five because I feel like I liked it a little bit more than you, Matt. <laughs> but it's like the lowest five I could probably give a movie. But it just like barely scraped. Because this is probably easily in the top ten movies I've seen this year. So as of right now, it's it's one of the best movies I've seen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm a hard four. Yeah, I think the subject matter for me was what was most powerful. It wasn't necessarily like the film. You know, it, it was just a hard thing to watch, which, like I said, took me a long time to process. Um, that middle scene is pretty gripping, but the rest of it, I just yeah. wasn't really into. Yeah. That I, I might even go so far as saying like that 50 minute, would you say? Yeah. It's a long segment? movie. Yeah. It was a long part is of it. Like maybe the best thing I've seen on film this year. Yeah. It was really good. And we didn't touch on the courtroom stuff, but like, I thought it was very well done and it didn't really like overstay its welcome. Like it, it wrapped itself up pretty quickly, yeah. Yeah. and I liked some of the little moments as far as, like, um, when everyone was told to rise, like, the black people in the back didn't stand up. I, right. I mean, I'm sure that happened in real life, but I really liked that it was a good touch. little touch. Yeah. I did not like John Krasinski's character, though. He was, he was like, the typical defense attorney, like, would you <laughs> I just <laughs> call my you guy said, guilty. Yeah. And now you're saying, so what <laughs> yeah. should we believe? With yeah. his little eyebrows, his stupid little office eyebrows. I just can't take... <laughs> oh, Jim. Yeah, Jim. Jim. Yeah, yeah, he okay. played the defense attorney. I just, huh. I don't know. I, just, I can't take that guy seriously. With his flippy hair. 
Yeah, I just maybe that falls on me, but anytime I try and see him do anything serious, like it just feels like he's doing a bit. Like Why is that to role? Prank it's like, uh, or something. It's like Nick like, Kroll and Pam? Loving. Did you guys ever see Loving? <laughs> yeah. It's like Nick Kroll and Loving. I like Nick Kroll and Loving. But he still kind of stands out like a sore thumb. Like, because you're, you're expecting him to do something like Nick Kroll does, but he just plays the character totally straight. It's initially, I mean, it's, you can say the same thing about uh, Vince Vaughn and Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. It's initially off-putting, Vince but I Vaughn think it works. Vince Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And yeah. at first, it's... He's cracking jokes all the time. <laughs> sort of. He's like a witty drill sergeant. Yeah. Huh. He's good, though. Kind of like what uh, that guy from Friends did in uh, Band of Brothers. You know what I'm talking about? Not funny. Yeah. Oh, What's his I know what you're talking about. Um, Ross? Oh, oh David Schwimmer. He's in yeah. Band of yeah. Brothers. Right. Anyway, off topic. Okay. Yeah. Well, so that's going to do it for our Detroit review. Um, we don't have a ton of time left, but we're going to quickly go over some things we've been watching. Uh, I only have one thing. I'll just knock it out real quick. It's not even a movie. Uh I've been watching season two of Last Chance You, which is a Netflix original documentary series about a uh, school in Mississippi uh, that is essentially, they're known for their football program, but they take like all the outcasts and the fuck ups from other like division one schools. So players who get kicked out for smoking weed or players who hit someone and they get booted off the team. It's like a ragtag group of it's the only place, the last chance they're going to get to play on the big stage, you know? So it's like, I think it's Division 2, I don't know. But it's basically this really tiny school. It's all about the football program, but what I love about the show is that it's more about, like, the city and this community than it is just about the football team. Because you see, they spend time with the coaches. Wait, what show are you watching? Last Chance You. Okay. Um, I've seen something very similar. Friday Night Lights? <laughs> no. It's a TV show. I don't want to interrupt you, though. Um, it's, it's really good. I like the show a lot. Season one, I thought, was very good. Season two was even better. Uh, just really good character-driven documentary sports I, show. I they did it. do a documentary first, right? And then it turned into a TV series, or am I wrong? No. No. It was season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is season two, so it's the, the next football season. So they're, they're back. They draw more attention to the fact that there's cameras around because this is the second time they're doing it, you mm-hmm. know, so it's like a, a repeat. They're more used to it. Uh, it's really interesting. If you like football, if you like character documentaries, it's very good. Man, amazing segue, because if you combine Last Chance You and Detroit, you get OJ Made in America. Yeah. <laughs> which I watch. I, I'm almost all the way through the first part. It's three hours, so it's pretty intense. Uh, you've already talked about this, so I won't linger, but man, all of the peripheral stuff to the football is pretty incredible. And the amount of information they have about OJ Simpson and his personal life and the, the kind of like pretty, pretty safe assumptions you can make about his behavior and his mindset as he was coming up as a young celebrity and star. It's really incredible. Like, like you said earlier, like you don't realize how much he meant both to the white community and to the black community for different reasons. So uh, definitely recommend that. I'm going to finish that for sure. Are all the episodes three hours? No, uh, three hours, three hours, and then an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's a seven and a half hour documentary, Mm -hmm. but it's incredible. It is really, really good. Cool. Did you watch anything else? Um, Yes, I finished Transparent, which is so good. 
everyone should watch it. If if you have and any tolerance for like stupid characters that for some reason you just keep rooting for, then <laughs> you should watch this. Um, and they just finished, so they're on season what three or four now? Season four will be the next one. Okay, yeah. so only three seasons have actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now they're only ten episode seasons, thirty minute episodes, so it's it's a quick watch. Yeah. Uh, probably my favorite show on television right now. Hmm. It's very good. I'm excited for season. All of the performances are so good in that show. I started. It's always sunny, so I'll either have to power through that for the first time. Well, I watched like the first five seasons Uh with an ex-girlfriend like five years ago or so, but now I'm starting it over with my current girlfriend. Wow! And yeah, (laughs) because you weren't a huge fan of it the first time. No, I was. I just. I don't know why I stopped watching it. We either broke up or just moved on from that show. But I never like disliked it enough to where I want to stop watching it. You just abandoned it. Yeah, <laughs> I've done that with plenty of shows. Yeah, <laughs> but it's fucking hilarious. It is really funny. Yes, um, I didn't really want to touch on that. I was just saying that that's why I'm not watching Transparent right now. <laughs> right, that's fine. But it's your loss. Yes. So we'll see. Um, so I watched a couple things. Well, I watch more than a couple of things, but I'll just talk about a couple of things. Yes. Uh, I watched The Bad Batch, oh, the movie okay. that came out this year um, by the girl who directed A Girl Who Walks Home Alone at Night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a post-apocalyptic Western. It was okay. Uh, I'm definitely glad we watched The Survivalist over this, mm. as far as the, the movie we're going to watch that night. Um, I like the world building and like the soundtrack of it. The look of it's good. Like it's it's trying to be a very hip movie. It just doesn't really like hit something I would compare to like Drive, which is like is it supposed to be silly? Kind of. Um, I mean, I think there's some there's supposed to be some black like or some dark humor, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't really pay off for me at least. And not a lot really happens in the movie. Um, Is Michael Shannon in it? No. (laughs) Oh, who am I thinking of? Jim Carrey's in it. uh, Jason Momoa. I forget the the main actress, but oh. it was just okay. Um, yeah, I don't really have much to say about it, though. And then I finally watched Apocalypto. Ah. Finished it. Did you love it? I loved it. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> this What's is that? like Mel Gibson prior anti-Semitic rant. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay, so this is when everyone liked him still. Yes. So I never yeah. saw this in the Could theater, no wrong. which I'm bummed I didn't because I feel like it would play very well in a theater um it's out of print on dvd and blu-ray so i rented it from the library and waited months to make it available to me um it with his movies especially like his big epic war movies i feel like he they're not as as authentic as they should be like there's something off about hacksaw ridge but the majority of it works for me where i like forgive some of that but same thing with this like um the characters at the at the start especially before shit goes down uh, the characters are like Razin, one of the tribe members. You know what I'm talking about, right? And they're like yeah. joking around and stuff. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like that was fitting of that time. But at the same time, we don't I really feel like know. I said, because I watched half of this like yeah. it, around Christmas. And I think I said <laughs> the exact same thing. Oh, okay. Where I was just like, I don't know. They're trying to make the characters like stupid. But also, it's just... It was like a modern take of people. They're like supposed like... to be primitive people. So you're not <laughs> yeah. sure like what how to feel about it because they're just making stupid like childish jokes but they're all 25 or 30 <laughs> yeah but basically shit goes down and then it's like a chase movie and the mm-hmm. whole chase part is very tense and 
it's very lots well of running done. through the jungle yes and i love like epic war revenge tales like this like it's similar to like the revenant or the last mohican so if you're into that kind of stuff i'd recommend it okay it's awesome though not enough aztec so stuff in, in cinema then. you ever seen the revenant it's good oh, it's really dude. Good. so good yeah um well you want to talk about something Scott? have you been watching anything uh anymore? i was thinking about the football thing that you were talking about yeah Matt. so the show that i watched is called uh friday night tykes that's what it's called <laughs> <laughs> and uh i watched it on netflix maybe like a year ago i don't know if it's still on there but that's that's how i found it so anyway i thought it was actually really cool and uh I, just to give you a little background about me, I'm not really someone to watch new stuff. Usually I watch old things that I like on repeat. So mm. this is something new that I actually really enjoyed. And basically it's kind of like what you were saying with uh, you, whatever. Last chance you. Yes. And uh, it follows like different teams, different coaches, but they're little league football players. We're talking like middle school, elementary school age. Uh, so they're really small. And it shows you the different coaching styles of these different, these four different guys. And some of them are like nice and try to build up the students, I mean, the kids' lives like outside of football and school. And others are like assholes who are going through a divorce, who are like have some serious issues. And you see all of it on camera, which is pretty cool. Uh, so I definitely recommend that. And I'll be really brief on this, but I have to mention it. Uh, the Outlaw Josie Wales, <laughs> I recently watched. I don't remember all of it. I was a little inebriated watching it. Mm -hmm. um, basically, it's a Clint Eastwood movie directed by him, and he stars in it as well. Made in the 70s. I can't remember when. Last half of the 70s, maybe. Um, and basically, if you're interested in like the the thought process of the Confederate States during the Civil War in the U.S., this is a movie you should check out. I'm not condoning the Confederacy, <laughs> um, but it's interesting to see like what they thought about the Civil War just from a historical perspective. For all the um, Civil War buffs out there. Exactly. Um, so, I don't know. Basically, Clint Eastwood plays a, he plays a Confederate soldier who refuses to lay down his arms at the end of the war, and so the Union sends out these goons after him and they murder his family and then it's about him getting revenge uh kind of like what you're saying travis those other revenge movies but hell yeah anyway it's a mindless clint eastwood western so confederacy check it out i know my dad my dad liked that movie yeah. when i was a kid i don't i, I maybe have seen bits and pieces of it but... all dads love those movies <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah i would just hear my dad whistling the good the bad and the ugly like in the kitchen <laughs> probably hadn't seen it for like 20 years <laughs> um all right we've got like three minutes left do you just want to rattle some stuff off travis um, i was only going to talk about one more thing because we're running so late um but i did see beatrice at dinner last or oh, yesterday yeah. so there was a soft opening at the new theater in bellevue it's like a 21 and up theater and they serve food and alcohol there and so i got an email to do the soft opening for free so you know free movie free drinks free food I'm in. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, the 
The theater's actually really nice. I'm going to talk about the theater a little bit. The food was pretty good. The chicken sandwich I had was a little salty. Wait, where was this? Columbia City? <laughs> it was at Lincoln Square. It's like oh, right Lincoln across Square. the street from Belfast Square different. Mall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that theater, especially for animated movies coming out in the future. Because <laughs> you have to be 21 or up to... Right, so oh, got it. Yes. Uh, the movie itself was good. Um, it's like one of those movies that would be great to take your mom or grandma to. <laughs> uh, Salma Hayek is good in it, and it basically takes the place over one night over dinner, hence mm. the title, Beatrice at Dinner. And the whole movie is basically about like two different world beliefs. Salma Hayek's character is doesn't really relate to the like the white yuppie, you know, group, and it just plays off on plays off on that the entire movie. It's like eighty minutes long. So most of it is about that conflict. It was it was good, but it's I wouldn't say it's anything great. Mm. Like it's like worth watching once, but you'd have no reason to go revisit it or anything. The dialogue mm. just didn't wasn't intriguing enough. Is it mostly just them I mean, like arguing? <laughs> I mean, they'll have conversations about things and it shows like the douchiness or like the the whiteness of the mm-hmm. the white characters and then how Salma Hayek just doesn't relate to it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's one of those movies that's, it's not bad, but it's not one you'd like have to go see or like you'd want to go revisit. Yeah. When but I saw you, the Beguiled, you it, it, it wouldn't was, be a waste of your time. When I saw the Beguiled, it was between that and Beatrice at dinner. You probably made the right choice, but... I would probably compare them like about the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, Tom, did you have anything else you want to mention? Oh, well, I did watch moon, which was a really big disappointment and probably deserves a little bit more conversation. Cause I don't know how recently you guys saw it, but I imagine you liked it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I love that. Movie. We yeah. should, you should table that though. That's I'm deflecting. I'm interested to hear <laughs> why you didn't you. like it. So we should actually have a conversation about that, but maybe save it for, yeah. sure. for next time. Um, okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for today. We'll get back to our Rotten Tomatoes game at some point. Yeah, we've we skipped suck. it the past couple of weeks, but <laughs> we've, we've been busy. and you know, It's summer. Time it's summer finish. in Seattle, and we uh, like to take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know exactly what we're going to review. I know the Dark Tower is going to be coming out in that span. Uh, Ingrid Goes West. Good time. Breaks me Good better. time. Let's Breaks watch Good better. Time. If I don't know if it's Ooh. getting a wide release that weekend though, um, so we'll have to wait and see. But stay tuned, uh, Scott. Thanks thank for you. having me on. Really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I thought you were like handing was... me the mic. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Go ahead. Scott, you're a great contributor. I just wanted to say thanks. I was just gonna thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. So you took the reins. It was very fun. Very nice of you to have me. Cool. Love to have you back. And uh, all right, that's gonna do it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Digest. Uh, like us on Facebook. Tell your friends. Any listen is a good listen. Go see Dunkirk and IMAX. <laughs> it's fucking cream. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. This is Major Tom to ground control. I'm stepping through the door. Peculiar way. 
It made him hard at Cinerama. It made him not calm. A dick jokes. Yeah, exactly. Not semen Center. jokes. We like come on this podcast. Like I, okay, okay. We're gonna change our name to the Cinephile like Podcast. I'm, oh my god. 